You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 538, a Christmas special with a festive music quiz. Was Christmas television better in the past or are we fooled by nostalgia? And is Eric Clapton the perfect Christmas Scrooge? That's all coming up after Stevie Wonder and what Christmas means to me. co-written by Berry Gordy's brother and sister and from a lovely album Someday at Christmas recorded in 1967 when he was 17 Stevie Wonder and what Christmas means to me that is so lovely he's always the bringer of joy Stevie and he really is this is possibly the most joyful Stevie song and a whole canon mm. of Stevie songs that always makes me feel cheery and Christmassy Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a great album as well. It goes along with your Sharon um, mm. Jones and um, Phil Spector. They're, 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 they're delighted, my three favourite I'm delighted to have introduced you to that yeah. Sharon Jones album. It is wonderful, isn't it? Yes, it is. Thanks for joining us for Parish Council episode 538 Christmas mm. special 2021. Um, I'm Terence Dackham and Queen of the South Coast at Christmas and all year round. It's Juliet Harris. <laughs> that is too kind. I'm even wearing a Val Dunigan style cardigan in a sort of a festive special type way. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Compliments of the season to you all. 
at the end of each year, Spotify tells us which tracks we've played the most over the year. Mm. Um, my list last year was totally different to my 2021 list. Last mm. year, every entry I had was classical pieces. And I thought, mm. well, was, that, was that something to do with COVID? Was I looking for yes. sort of solace and calm and restfulness? I think it was. We were going to compare Spotify top tens, but I learned this week, Jules, mm. that you don't listen to music through Spotify. Well, I um, hardly ever do. I mean, I, it said that my top track of the year was a Prince track I'd listened to twice so I really don't use it very much at all I tend to use uh, Apple Music or so you have an uh, iTunes top 10 I do yes so which I can... tracks feature from 10 to number six it's a shame I've got do, 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 do. yeah so so interestingly my top um my top 10 tracks I mean, it gives you a top 100 in total but I don't I, read well, all of them no, I know. We'll be don't here worry. Tomorrow. Don't, don't worry. It's oh. okay. Um, so so we we've got ten to one. Mm. Now, one I thing that I've learned. I want to keep them hanging on. Okay, look to check out you, Diana Ross. So <sighs> so we've got um we've got ten to six here, as my colleague has reminded me. <sighs> I think you need a Christmas sherry, Terence. You're <sighs> very antsy. You need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll start at ten. This song won't do you much to calm you down, I'm afraid. <laughs> All of my numbers, particularly 10 to 6, are very upbeat electronic things, mostly. I, I, When I was younger, I grew up with a mum that absolutely loved dance music and still does, still adores dance music. I've, it always left me cold. In the last sort of five years or so, I've, I've really got into it again. And I think it's me working in my spare room at home for large portions of this year and needing a bit of energy. So at number 10, we've got Dirt by Death in Vegas. Oh, okay. Uh, number nine, we've got from so another feature of my year is that I've come across a lot of new music by making mu- new friends, and I have a pal with whom I do a album listen party every week where we listen to an album. I think I spoke about this when picking Tribe Called Quest the other week. Well. Ed chose one of the Daft Punk live albums, and I believe that I treated us to a song from this actually. And um, this is Around the World slash, and I can never get in the right, this in the right order. Harder, better, faster, stronger, I think is the right order. But I, I very much enjoyed that. And number eight, we've got Fly Life by Basement Jacks, very much Notting Hill Carnivalesque in its in its in its things. And number seven again, another song that I've. Tra- I, you see, I do like to bring the stuff that I'm listening to to this mm. podcast. A uh, non-stop disco power pack by the beastie boys uh, so something of a calmer yet more rap based thing there mm. which again i haven't listened to very much in the way of hip-hop and rap until before lockdown and i've got very interested in it and at number six a song that was introduced to me by a young friend of mine in the music league that i play in on spotify that's the only time i ever use spotify to listen to the week's list of songs that people have chosen and again i think i might have picked this for the podcast something by an outfit who i don't know called tobacco which is called Side 8 Big Gums version. And it's just an electronic riff that does the same thing for five minutes and then stops. So that's largely what I've been doing this year, Terence. It's amazing. These are sort of very bohemian and up to date, which is, they're, they're really, it just shows how you've got your finger on the pulse. I mean, you and say I'm bohemian and up to date. So the, um, you say bohemian and up to date. The um, the Basement Jack record is 20 years old, I think. But thank you for trying. <laughs> See, that's up to date compared to me. So, uh, uh, 11 mm-hmm. just i had penny lane i'm just throwing that in but okay 10, i thought we weren't allowed to do more than uh, 10 yes, because you've got cross otherwise but anyway carry on 10 america ventura highway mm. nine Joni mitchell don't interrupt the sorrow 
Eight wings band on the run, seven nice. steely Dan Barrytown, and six Marvin Gaye. What's going on? Well, this, so, is, this is the smooth sailing playlist from heaven, isn't it? I love this. this is, I'm going to write that down. That's my track listing sorted for January. <laughs> but you see, I'm I'm sort of like 50 years back. Your 20 <laughs> years feels like yesterday. <laughs> I was going to say, who, who knew I was the cutting edge of it? I say this podcast or anything, really, but still, it's, it's nice to know that I've still got it. Excitement mounting now as we learn your <laughs> top five. See, I'm glad we split it like this, you see, because now the listeners mm. think, oh, my goodness, it's the top five. Yeah, they're on the yeah. edge of their seats. Well, there is the t- track five is perhaps something you might more expect of me. Again, it is about 25 years old, but modern compared, I suppose, <laughs> to Joni Mitchell. It's a hi-fi from Suede, from their much maligned album, Head Music, which people never seem to enjoy very much. Asbestos is always in, is also in my top 20 from the same album. I think Head Music is a very underrated record by Suede, and a hi-fi has got incredibly land to it. I'm a huge mm. fan. Number four, we've got another dance number, Drop the Pressure by Milo, which I have a very, again, a very up up tempo banging electronic number. Turns out the the electronic music is very good to draft leases to, um, particularly <laughs> electronic music that I know well that stimulates the brain but just sort of rolls on. And I have a happy, me- a, a somewhat I suppose nuanced memory now, but a happy memory of going on. I think it was the last big anti Brexit march in March 2019 in London, and we got not exactly stuck, but we were happily sat behind a sound one of the big sound system trucks as we were going down. I can't remember what it was, but some very narrow road and a dj was pumping out to drop the pressure by milo and me and my friend danced in our in our eu t-shirts all the way down to that tune so that's a that's a happy of somewhat mm. <laughs> memory now and number three um i can never pick this for the podcast because it's about 11 and a half minutes oh, long and i don't think you'd allow it um <laughs> this is a dj shadow number napalm brain slash scatterbrain which is a very interesting uh, mm. again rather electronic piece number two a, a summer song that really should have been much bigger than it was um i would i think again i might have picked this in the podcast previously an outfit called thumpers spelt in block capitals as you would expect a band called thumpers to spell their name uh, called unkinder a tougher love and it was quite a, a sort of a summary a sort of pleasant indie rock tune that, that never quite got its due and at number one a track which we finished a podcast with a few weeks ago because i got completely obsessed with it and still am obsessed with it i'm not surprised it's number one it doesn't tell you how many plays but i suspect this is number one by some distance um the top of the shop best song to, to draft leases to 2021 is atlas by battles gosh and that was my top 10 a very esoteric and surprising mix you're so super cool. I mean, I'm embarrassed by my top five. Now. <laughs> Don't be. Don't be. I mean, I think I've been replaced with someone else. This really, this really wasn't what I was expecting. Um, I've got no big surprise. I've got five: Joni, Edith, and the King. Hey, nice. Four: Joni, Shades Yay. of Scarlet Conquering. Three: Joni, France, <laughs> they kiss on Main Street. And that then we come to the though. big surprise now: two: Steely Dan, Bad Sneakers. Number yes. one: Steely Dan. Haitian divorce. Nice, nice. Well, I hope that's not. I hope that's not pointing to events in your life. But that is that is a very that's that's <laughs> very enjoyable. And actually, it goes to show. I think the th- the point about this is, is I think 
so I listen to iTunes on my phone. That's how I consume iTunes. I think this is a, a demonstration. These aren't necessarily the 10 to- songs I've listened to the most this year. They're the songs I've listened to the most on my phone if I've been going to work, if I've been sort of typing at home. There are loads of other albums I've listened to loads on my turntable at home, on my CD player. Well, yeah. This is just the way in which yeah. I have consumed these songs. So, yes, I have listened to these records a lot. Having said that, there are other records that I've listened to, you know, IRL, even on my very high-tech Walkman, on my tapes on my way to work, my commuter tapes, commuter cassettes. But, uh, yeah, so for me, this was interesting, but it was only part of the story because it's only part of the way in which I listen to music, whereas I suspect that you only listen to music via Spotify. Only, exactly, yeah. Um, I, I still can look across the room here and still see all my vinyl uh, albums over there, but they are uh, unplayed for probably... 20 years now so Mm, that is interesting digital only jules where would we be without a quick fire christmas quiz well we certainly wouldn't be on this podcast would we because you love it you love a surprise quiz for me and our listeners to quote unquote enjoy you didn't how do you let's see how you the listener and juliet fair in the smallest big quiz of the year all related to christmas timing Mm, okay. Are you ready, Juliet? Well, uh, it is Christmas time, so there is no need to be afraid. So yes, I'm <laughs> oh, ready. Thank you, thank you, thank that, you very much. That may feature. Um, uh, I wondered. A, question one: According to official charts in the UK, the official charts um, website, which group has the most Christmas number ones in the UK? Um. <sighs> Let's say the Beatles. I thought she's not going to get the first one wrong. It is the Beatles. Hooray! I'm very They've pleased. had four number ones. What are they? This is um, um, One's I Feel Fine. It is. One's, one's Hello Goodbye. It is. Um... Uh, I can't think. I can't think what sixty three and sixty five were. Um, eight days a week? No, I don't suppose that would no, have been. Um, I, I, I want to hold your hand. Hand, in 90, indeed. Yes. And not sure about ninety five. Uh, sixty five uh, was <laughs> a a um, double A side, day tripper, and we I, can work it out. Get out. That's it. So you did very well there. Um, which female group also had Christmas number ones in three consecutive years? That would be your Spice Girls. It was. And, uh, what that were would they? Be, um, two Become One. Correct. Um, too Much. And, Correct. Um, what was what was the third one? Um, I've got my pen on the floor. What, oh, it, no. no! I've got oh, no. it back. I've got it back. Yeah, You're such a professional. Uh, <laughs> gun, I'm too much. Too much. And, and um, oh, I can't think what the third one is. Um, goodbye? Yes. Yeah. 96 to 98. Going to give mm-hmm. you those. Very good. The only song to get to number one twice at Christmas by the same artist is? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, very good, Juliet. Very good. Um. Can you can you say the years? I'll give you a bit of leeway each each way. One Two. would have been ninety one. And why would that have been? Because Freddie Mercury died. Correct. Um, and seventy eight. Seventy five. Oh, Not okay, fair enough. Juliet, Lucy, Harris, and yes. listener. Yes, a terrible in, many names, Dackham. In the song, "Deck the Halls with Boughs of Holly," fa la 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 la. 
Yes. How many laws are there after the far? <laughs> far, la, 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 la. That's eight. Correct. Well worked out. <laughs> that is nearly as good as the time that the, the enemy used to have a far more extensive website than he did now. And he used to do a pop quiz where you could play live with people around the world. And I once beat some Americans to knowing how many years there are in the first line of In Your Car by Kanicki. That's a moment on a par with that for me. That's, that's pretty good. Who sings the opening line as previously mentioned by Juliet Harris, who sings the opening line of the original Band-Aid single in 1984? Now, it's I'm probably going to get... They all, they all sound very similar to Two. each other. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna try Paul Young. You're correct in trying oh, Paul Young. Oh, that's good. Now, this, this, is, this is tricky, and that's why I needed my red pen and why I needed to recover it from the floor. Hmm. In 30 seconds, how many other artists can you name who appeared on the Band-Aid single in 1984? Got my George pen. Michael, Sting, Bono, Phil Collins, Boyd George, um, Bob Gel- uh, Bob Geldof was yes. presumably on it, Mitch Ewer, yeah. I've already said Bono, haven't I, and yes. Sting, um, um, Stuart Copeland, um, Andy no, no Stuart Copeland. Oh, really? Oh, that surprises mm. me. Um, I, I can't think who else is on it now. Um, I know Marana Rama turned it down yep. and expressed regret afterwards. Um, They're all on it. Are they? Are they? Siobhan, Sarah Dallin, there, they were there. They're in the I picture. Thought, They're on it. Oh, okay. Kevin, I, did, yeah. I didn't think they were on the original one. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, um Running out of time now. Sunita? Um, no, too, too soon for Sunita. Um, I don't know. Uh, I can't think of any more. Okay. Um, we could have had all of the Boomtown Rats. Ah, yes. Um, Phil Collins, the rest, a few I said more. Phil Collins. Yes, okay, sorry, you did. I just didn't think it. <laughs> Still didn't um, <laughs> uh, A few Ultravoxes here and there. The Boomtown Rats mm. said, Boy George has said. Um, Glenn Gregory from Heaven 17. Mm, I wouldn't have remembered that. All of Spandau Ballet. Oh, uh, of course. All of Duran Duran. Didn't they all get limos there or something? Which yes, wasn't terribly, right. it wasn't terribly, it wasn't terribly great. Um, George Michael, of course. Mm. All of Culture Club. Um, Marilyn, who wasn't invited but came with Boy George and managed to uh, get into the, on, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, status quo, Duran Duran. Cool and the gang were there. Oh, um, I'm pleased they were there. I'm think, sorry I didn't remember them. But that, Jody oh, they were... Watley is the one that people always uh, forget. Ah, okay, yeah. In the in the picture, do you know one quick last thing on um, mm. on uh, Band Aid? There's only four musicians on it um, playing instruments. So we've got all the singers. Yes. Um, so we, I'm going to give you one because you said Phil, Phil Collins is on drums. Mm. Um, on keyboards and programming, Majure. Mm-hmm. And do, do you know who the other two are? Not really a, a question. I don't, I don't think I do. No, I think you'll have to give me Two Duran Duran is John Taylor on bass and Andy Taylor on, on guitar. Uh, well, That's that makes perfect sense, doesn't it, really? Only four musicians on it. Yeah. Uh, well, you did very well there. Um, Julia, in the 12 days of Christmas, how <laughs> many how many lords were a-leaping? Ten. Correct. Ten lords are leaping. You'll be pleased to know there's only two questions to go. You've done very well. Well, that's that's very kind. Thank you. I'm not unhappy to know there's only two questions left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Julia, in Wham's Last Christmas, Mm. I gave you my heart, but you gave it away. So this year, to save me from tears, 
Who am I giving it to? Someone special, bracket special, close brackets, if you want to include the, uh, include the include the the backing <laughs> vocal there. Last question: In the fairy tale of New York, what are the boys of the New York Police Department choir singing? Galway Bay. They are. God, you've done terribly, <laughs> terribly well. I've just heard these songs a lot over the years. Oh, I had to, you know, you, you, I had to help you a little bit with the the Beatles four number ones, and um, understandably, you didn't know all everybody, uh, the the sort of thirty odd uh, people who appeared on, on Band Aid, but you, gosh, you mm. did very well there. That's very kind of you to say. Coming up next, Christmas on television. It was better in the old days, or was it? Or was it? That's right after. Granddaddy. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening in the studio? The lights are glistening. The beautiful sight. We're happy tonight. Alan Parsons in a winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird here to stay. song the production's right on Alan Parsons in the winter wonderland in the meadow we can build a snowman and pretend that he is Alan Parsons he'll say have you listened to my new band we'll say no but we really like that one song that goes time keeps keeps like a river Winter 
in the meadow we can build a snowman and pretend that he is alan parsons i love this it's such a, a lovely homage to alan parsons and like granddaddy often are it's extremely clever but also <laughs> extremely soft-hearted i love this i think it's such a clever funny little way of adapting winter wonderland a song that we've all heard to death over the years <laughs> i find the twinkling at the beginning so heartwarming and i just uh, he sings a love song the production's right on alan parsons in a winter wonderland such a funny song i love that i think it's brilliant i love that too it's really daft but but quite brilliant mm. we spoke recently about how christmas doesn't really begin until the first stories break in the press about terrible advent calendars and yes. uh, dismal winter wonderlands with mud fake snow and belligerent elves <laughs> indeed um, yeah Another fine indicator that Christmas is just around the corner is when the newspapers run stories about how television over Christmas is going to be a load of repeats. And bless the Daily Mail for revealing that this year, BBC One on Christmas Day is, in fact, an exact replica Mm. of last year. And also that nearly one third of BBC programmes over the Christmas period are repeats. But I was thinking, presumably... And somewhat depressingly, the BBC has research and and data that prove Strictly Come Dancing, followed by Michael McIntyre, Blankety Blank, Mm. all the midwife EastEnders and Mrs Brown's boys are exactly what the viewing public want. There's there's always been a television was better in the old days routine going on since John Logie Baird Commission Crossroads. And uh, (laughs) to help us find out if everything was better years ago. This week, BBC Four screened what we were watching, hosted by a very slow <laughs> Grace Dent. Uh, Jules, I'd like your view on television in 1991, but particularly just wanted to ask you at the beginning, what you thought of a clip of Michael Caine in an, it was in an edition of Omnibus in which he said to camera in 1991, Feminists don't have a sense of humour. Is he right? These feminists have got no sense of humour. Yeah, it's, it was it was it was nice to be addressed like that, but mm. by, by Michael Caine whilst I was doing my ironing. Um, it, it, what was so interesting mm. about this programme, and that Grace Dent made the point, was that actually we live in the world of cancel culture and arguments over what is or isn't appropriate. We were having this same argument 30 <laughs> years ago. Nothing really. has really cha- changed <laughs> in the slightest. People were trying to cancel songs of praise Christmas edition on points of view. You know, the, the only difference now is that the entire internet is points of view. Maybe <laughs> points of view invented the internet was one thing. I enjoyed this romp through the crazy world of 1991. Would it be shown now, ask Great Dent, of the Chippendales gyrating on the on the generation game possibly not I sense but I, I very much enjoyed this uh, this is the third of, of these things that Grace Dent has done she did ah. uh, 1978 previously and she did 1995 last year so bizarrely this in itself is starting to become a Christmas institution on BBC4 I can see why pretty cheap to film you just need to do a bit of researching from the archive I enjoy Grace Dent's presentation of style because I think she has a very good time whilst doing it and I mean this with the utmost respect when I say I get the vibe of her that she might have had a good time before doing it as well and I really enjoy that I really enjoy her gossipy style which she kind of brings to um, her narration of the untold the excellent Radio 4 program and podcast about people's lives and I always feel in her delivery that she's sort of telling me something over the tea table 
table. And She's I love very good on of, that, by the way. Yes, I agree with you. Yes. And, and I liked her sort of she knew that quite a lot of what she showed was showing us was ridiculous. But the other thing that I've always loved about Grace Dent is that she is one. She made reference to having previously been a TV reviewer. She's one of the best TV reviewers I've ever read. I think she's very much missed from The Guardian because and she's written for The Independent as well. She's now writing excellent copy on restaurants and other things. But she really gets TV. She really understands. She has none of that snobbery about it that I suspect some of her Guardian colleagues might, former Guardian colleagues might. So I love the way that she presents this. And what I what I love about this is they find the most random stuff. I mean, my favourite moment through this whole programme, firstly, I did not realise that Gordon the Gopher was the pioneer of the Christmas jumper. He had a little tiny jumper on. Did you see he had a Christmas tree on it? And it was him that brought them in. Secondly, this brilliant clip of, firstly, I've forgotten all about Rapido, the arts programme on BBC Two. But Nirvana sat in what I can only Mm. say is some dump in Sheffield where they were on tour. And they were talking about what appeared to be a genuine love of Rapido, this kind of slightly out of the way arts programme. And at one point, uh, Chris Novoselic says... um, Oh, you know, we'll be watching international snooker and Kurt Cobain drools in sunglasses. It's better than snooker. And it's just such a, it was such an incongruous moment. And Kurt Cobain, obviously, again, someone that might have had a good time. He might not have had a good time, but a very interesting interview with him. And what I did enjoy about this was just we went to some really odd places and we had the fun when you're reviewing things that are in the recent past, but the not too in the not too distant past. You've always got the fun of finding people that are really famous now in their very younger days. Rob Brydon is a roving reporter for that <laughs> that's that Welsh TV program and a very entertaining skit where him and Father Christmas played played it entirely straight. He rubbed a lamp and um, what's her name from a lower low walked out, didn't she? Vicky Vicky Michelle who was yes. in Panto. It was I thought this yes was to fun. plug her Panto. It was all yes, set indeed. up just so that she yes. could say that's right and I'm appearing down the road yes, with with Victor. Spinelli and um, Rosemary Ford from the Generation Game. There was, there was. I've really enjoyed this, and I. It, it just made me realise that actually they've always had the big ticket programs each year there's always been i mean the mrs brown's boys of its day in terms of the big comedy on on christmas day was was um only fools and horses and for years that was an institution where every single year you'd have the only fools and horses christmas special and of course you know i'm still not sure if those three last christmas specials they did in 95 96 have ever been beaten in the tv ratings it's not new that every day you every christmas you'll have christmas day stay you know every Christmas you you know you have these sort of things I, I don't think I'm not sure if TV is, is has ever been any better or any worse there's always been things you can find and in the multi-channel age yes the Daily Mail are right the BBC one is exactly the same having said that I always enjoy watch, watching whatever ballet they put on BBC two or BBC four I'm looking forward to the lost Morecambe and wise Christmas special mm. this year that would be great and actually Grace Dent makes the point that Christmas, everyone has a slightly big, bigger budget. And in a way, I think, well, I'm glad that these things are being repeated because if the BBC spend a, you know, a shed load of money on making these things, surely it's value for money to be able to see them again rather than just to see them once and never see them again. I, I'm more offended by the BBC spending loads of money on those continuity things they have between programmes, which you then never see again. I, I have no issue with it build, building TV to last using 
lots of money. Although having said that, doesn't always doesn't always you know prove to be the case. I can't even remember the name of that Alan Cumming and Lenny Henry thing with him as a genie. I never heard of it before, and I can't even remember it since Same watching here. the program. And I watched and I watched this program an hour and a half ago, and I can't remember what that program was called. <laughs> so so it's um. I, th- I really enjoyed this. I thought it was, I, you know, as, as long as you went into it with reasonable expectations, I thought it was a fun look at what we were watching and also made the good points that actually maybe not that much has changed in terms of people complaining about songs of praises, woke Victoria or unwoke Victorian Christmas. I love the fact that it offended people in different ways, which is usually the sign that you've got something right, I think. It may be considered that Christmas in 1991 was, at least on television, rather dull and depressing because the the programmes that seemed to be on there was a discussion show about the nuclear family <laughs> yes. and a, dun- a, a documentary in which a young single mother discussed about how often she hits her young son <laughs> yes, she, yeah she seemed quite sort of oh, proud Mark of Fowler telling everybody he was HIV positive oh, as well yes, so, so there were there were there were oh, yes I agree with you there gloom. were rather, Yes, although having said that, were you not cheered up by the Chippendales, Terence? Are you trying to tell me that? <laughs> Personally, no, but it, <laughs> it, it was handy to get a reminder that the 90s were the glory days of Mr. Smarmy Slacks, Noel Edmonds. <gasps> he was uh, everywhere, wasn't the he? The king of pomposity, who who used his opening monologue of his Christmas <laughs> special to pour scorn on, on the television critic of the Daily Mirror, Hilary <laughs> Kingsley. Uh, imagine today again to be being uh, allowed the leeway. Mm. Surely his producer um, yes. must have known he was going to do that. And to be given the first 30 seconds of the top rate program yes Saturday night to take out a personal grudge against a journalist instantly Hillary Kingsley <laughs> very interesting story oh yeah go um, on she made has made the unexpected journey from newspaper journalism a tv mm. critic of the daily mirror she's to become a solicitor and she's oh, been really oh, oh so is she Kingsley is she Kingsley Napoli then is that her because there's know, a firm that I've that I've heard yeah. that are a reasonably well-known firm Could be. that are called Kingsley Napley. So I wonder Maybe. if that might be something to do with her. I um that is really interesting. Mm. I did not know that. There was some there were, there were some glimpses of music as you mentioned on this what we were watching show, and it was worth ploughing through it um, for that sweet little segment of Nevada playing in in Yorkshire. I think it was Sheffield University. It was a, Sheffield, yeah. Yeah, with a very young Dave Grohl on drums, but. A little compilation from Top of the Pops in 1991 seemed to prove this was a terrible year for music. So I confirmed this. I did a check on the top five selling singles of 1991. Mm. Number five, The Simpsons do The Bartman. Oh, Num- wow. I mean, I love four, The Simpsons, but, but yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wait for this. Number four, Right Said Fred, I'm Too Sexy. Mm. Top selling singles of 1991. Three, Share the Shoop Shoop song. Two Queen Bohemian Rhapsody as mm. discussed, and number one, oh my God, look, you, 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 you know your heart sinks when you remember this. Brian Adams, everything. Oh, like oh man, I, t- I tell you what was. I tell you what was quite interesting was was that at the moment we're hearing this idea that is streaming breaking the charts because every Christmas it's just the same old songs that are in the charts. Yet when you look back on 1991, the number one was a, a re-released record, wasn't it? And mm. and also Sorry. Elton John still still as some would say clogging up the charts. Then <laughs> a quick a quick factual correction: uh, King um, uh, Hillary King's is nothing to do with Kingsley Napley. Right. She was she's a in well she ended up working in the house for. 
for um uh, for Associated Newspapers Limited. So so she didn't wander too far away from that. Mm. But anyway, interesting story. Also, one thing I did really love, and I think that what these programmes try to do, and I remember this from last year, is they always find the slightly more esoteric things as well. It's they do a good balance, I think, these programmes between the big hitters and the slightly weirder stuff like Rapido. The clothes show episode that had the the kids in the school oh, making gosh, over yes, their I teachers. I oh, thought that was extremely sweet, actually. And Grace Dent made the point that the reason why it was actually quite entertaining is that they had a proper budget for it. And yes. it does make you think, you know, BBC Four is pretty mm. much archive only now and isn't probably going to have much more produced for it, aside from stuff like this once a year. And it does make you think, well, perhaps sometimes you get what you pay for when it comes to certain certain um certain certain things on tv i don't know but yes the highlight for me very much um the interview with uh, nirvana discussing international snooker and rapido on rapido i think do you know the thing that struck me about that clothes show segment is i don't think there would be such a show today because back then we still were a little bit in the 1970s perhaps in the even a little bit over Mm. the post-war rationing period of people going out to buy clothes that would be like their party frock for the mm. summer or for their yes. look for the winter yes. and now we tend to uh, well, it's the world of fast fashion isn't it isn't it's, it just yeah. you know we we don't look at things like that we we sort of we'll we'll buy something and then it might go back in the wardrobe I mean, it's probably regrettable that we do this as you mm, say fast I fashion agree. but mm. i don't think you could have a clothes show now where somebody says well this is the look of the summer and you know yeah, everybody's this exactly. buying this dress to wear at all their exactly. events and some yeah, of them this this exactly we seem to you know we've kind of gorged ourselves mm. on fast fashion haven't we really and then you, you could make this you know the excellent back in time series that the bbc2 do about families eating and mm. you get you get from that that the 90s were and i think you kind of get that vibe from this as well they were a real sea change the mm. the world i think more than any other well it's comparable with the 60s i think in the britain in 1991 and britain in 1999 were like different planets i think mm. In, this, in a similar way that the, that, the, that the 60s were. And that I don't think we had in the 50s or the 70s or the 80s particularly. I'm sort of cutting out the war decades deliberately. Mm. But I think that it shows the speed of change. And when, when we've been watching the old Top of the Pops repeats, it's really interesting that although it does loosen up a bit, I mean, I've been watching largely between 88 and 91, everyone's still speaking RP at that point, aren't they? Oh, yes, and and it's much, much yes. and it's much, and the men are still in suits mostly. Mm. And it's, and it's, it's much more of a, you know, the BBC is still, I mean, this program only focused on stuff that was on the BBC, the nation's broadcaster, but uh, as, it, as they termed it, but mm. it does go to show that the speed of change that was happening, I think. And, and I think when they were showing the, you know, the, the rather sobering single mum and the, the nuclear family documentary, what the point that Grace Dent made well was that actually it showed how Britain was changing in a in a really big way. Although that made it particularly entertaining, given that you followed people raging about songs of praise from two different directions. You had someone raising about Victoria songs of praise because it didn't show the reality of how most of Victorian Britain lived, which is in poverty. Then you had someone else complaining because Victorian musical was disrespectful to God. So <laughs> just goes to show the BBC has never been able to win and will probably never win. That's the lesson we got from this i think 
What We Were Watching by Grace Dent is available on the BBC iPlayer for the next year. So plenty mm, of time to watch it. Yeah. Um, so, yes, Daily Mail and many other newspapers. The television lineup this year does look gruesome. But um, at Christmas 1991, we had Noel Edmonds, Birds of a Feather and the Generation Game, proving that television is pretty awful. <laughs> I was going to say, it's been consistent. Yes. Coming next, Juliet reveals Noddy Holder's retirement plan. <laughs> and we are if Eric Clapton is a modern day Scrooge all right after one of my favourite Christmas songs it's from David Siggers got some folks in Oklahoma never been out there myself but Aunt Ruby bakes some bread at least and sends it Help the celebration Got an uncle in Los Angeles Beverly Hills to be precise Quite away from Oklahoma But then so's New York Now ain't that nice It's a big country Merry Christmas, everybody. Just a word from me and Dan to say we're fine. Got some cousins up in Bozeman. Raising sheep out in the snow. Merry Christmas, girls, you're crazy. Picture how she's grown It's your uncle calling Angel Can you put your mama on the phone It's a big country Merry Christmas everybody Just a word for me and then To say we're fine played that in our Christmas edition last year and it remains a top Christmas favourite of mine. It's originally from a compilation in 1981, the Z Christmas record. A lovely cheery song that Mm. nevertheless explores the fact that America is one huge country and that people are often apart at Christmas. That's David Sigerson and it's a big country. That is really lovely. I love those kind of Christmas songs that aren't the traditional Christmas songs. Yes. Similarly, I regret not picking now, particularly given your Spotify top ten. I not I forget not picking River by Joni yes. Mitchell. I love songs like that that are sort of 
uh, sort of adjacent to the Christmas season, but but not not necessarily about Christmas in themselves. And I think they work so well at this time of the year, which often sparks all sorts of emotions, and particularly in the times in which we're still living as well. So I love a record like that that can let you reflect without having Christmas shoved in your eyeballs. So that's, that's a nice medium for me, I think. Mm. There was a time when pseudo-intellectual music writers thought it was rather non-new and poor form if an artist or a band had a Christmas song Mm. uh, that reached the charts. And it was just about okay if you were Greg Lake or Elton. They more or less got a free pass. But otherwise, they were deemed rather down market. Then one year the penny dropped when it was realised that if you could unlock the magic and not only write a Christmas hit, but also one that became an annual classic Mm. with repeated chart success each year, it was like stumbling on gold at the end of Mm. the record. Now, I've often wondered exactly what are the earnings from some of the UK's classic Christmas records. And Jules, you have, I believe, discovered the facts and figures. I have got some facts and figures of that. Having said that, I recently watched About a Boy Again, which I think is always rather an underrated Richard Curtis film. I like it because it's slightly saltier than his other films. And I love the idea that the central character, Hugh Grant's will in it, does nothing. And there's a scene early on where he's having to explain to a nice single mother he's met at a, at a single parents group, which he should not be going to, by the way, because he's not a single parent. But anyway, he, um, he, he explains, she says, what do you do? And he says, well, I don't do anything. And she says, well, have you ever done anything? And he goes, well, no. And then he explains that he is the son of a, of a man that wrote a fictional Christmas hit in it, which I think is Santa's Christmas sleigh, and and lives off the proceeds of that. And there's a wonderful scene halfway through where he's currently, he's, he's having his existential crisis about it and is confronted with the song being played in a record shop. Always makes me think of Hugh Grant's layabout when I see how much these, uh, these Christmas <laughs> songs are making. So I'll go from 10 to 1. So okay. number 10, the 10th most lucrative Christmas song, um, and again, we're staying in the 90s, I think, having mm. discussed having discussed the 1991 early on. Stay Another Day by E17, another song that is Christmas adjacent without being a Christmas song until mm. the sleigh bells they hurriedly shovel in in the last minute of the yeah. song. Um, so when I tell you this, is, this has made £97,000. Wow. Every you year. Think that's, wow. Well, that, I was going to say, you think that's in total? That's each year so so tony wow. mortimer and i can't remember if we talked about this in pocket or not but to, one of the nice storylines mini storylines of lockdown particularly on twitter was that tony mortimer suddenly got really into reading like really into reading oh, yes, and I would be tweeting that. about all the books yeah. that he'd read and he's kind of had a book club and it was just a really lovely thing because i think he was dyslexic he'd had some problem with reading and as an adult he'd suddenly really blossomed with it well he has got some time to read given that i think he's the main songwriter on that that so, makes me uh, wonder how much the number one is going to have but well, i don't want to preempt it's, it's, it i was going to say so perennial christmas irritant cliff richard is at number nine we uh, by the way his dancing was better not discussed on that night the bizarre oh, performance gosh. at the end of the 91 <laughs> christmas special in his which little is, jumper yeah and his weird kind of semi-rap influenced have yourself yes. a merry little there was a hip-hop break in that i did not enjoy in his have yourself a merry little christmas no, anyway, he had to do a little dance as well because he had to find something to do in the yes, instrumental break and, and that that was that did not go well unfortunately well mistletoe and wine that uh, song that we hear every year from cliff uh, 100k a year for cliff and the writers of mistletoe of wine um so so what, what happens with this is that the sort of we go from from 10 to 6 and they're sort of 
seven, eight, nine, and ten earn very similar amounts of money, right. and then it really rockets. So we go eight. Another a Christmas adjacent song that isn't necessarily a Christmas song per se. Two thousand miles by the Pretenders, which I enjoy very much actually. I think that's a lovely Christmas song. adjacent song. Yeah, it is. And in a way, you know, she does sing Christmas time in it. But there, but there is there's something to be said about making songs which you might be able to play at a non-Christmas juncture as well. Anyway, hundred and two grand for Chrissy Hind and Co. Each wow. year. Thousand miles. Um, Stop the Cavalry by Jonah mm. Louis, 120k a year for uh, for the the Bugle and Co. And so we get to number six, and mm. we get some real money at this point. The friend, I say friend of the podcast. Mm. I mean, only that we talk about him all the time. I don't think he's aware of us, but a friend of the podcast, Paul McCartney, um, number six with his wonderful Christmas time. Gosh. Now that makes per year. Yeah. Double what number seven made. Wow! Double the time of year makes two hundred and sixty k. So we are we are getting into, be you know we're getting into you know a detached house in Hastings a year for Paul McCartney here now on this. Um, number five, we will not play an excerpt of this for those of you like me who are still unexpectedly in Whamageddon on day oh, twenty three. Oh, last um, Christmas. Indeed, by Wham! An exclamation mark. Um, that's I think in, I think it got to it, was, it broke a record a couple of years ago because it got to, it was it broke the the longest time since original release of a song and it getting to number one because it got to number one on downloads I think and also as a part of a um uh, sort of marking the anniversary of George Michael's death Oh I, I miss poor poor George I miss so do I so do I musicianship so much yeah as, as as a friend of mine said when um when muhammad ali died and we were talking about it at a gig what a bleeding shame eh? and i feel exactly the same about george michael the world is poorer without him um three hundred thousand pounds for wow. it last christmas every year which is why there is there's been some unpleasantness around george michael's estate and i can see why yeah, certain people want a slice of that pie anyway at uh, number four the hardy perennial that is white christmas by bing crosby quiz fans will tell you that it first appeared in holiday in and not in the film white christmas um <laughs> not that much more than wham actually which considering considering how long it's been around for and how how sort of ubiquitous it is and how if you ask people to name a classic christmas song it will probably be the first mm. thing most people would if you did a family fortune style we asked <laughs> people, people will probably say white christmas was the ultimate christmas song yeah. Three hundred and twenty-eight thousand pounds. Oh, that's handy for his wham. descendants, isn't it? I mean, it? I was going to say for the for the Crosbys of the future, that's useful. Mm. But um, but but only fourth, only the fourth biggest yeah. song sort of annually. Number three, all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey. Oh, um, okay. the the somewhat unusually Walker's Chris advertising Mariah Carey, if you remember that bizarre yes. bit in the in the pop culture continuum. Anyway, four hundred thousand pounds a year for all I want for Christmas this year. Or a few little puppies to. Have I was going to say, and yeah. and a stand a stairlift, given that she doesn't do stairs. Oh, but anyway, true, yeah. it was it was. I mean, and I'm not surprised actually because that song seems to a bit like last Christmas, I suppose, seems to become. It just it just seems to grow and grow every year. It and again it was used to great effect in Love Actually, another Christmas, uh, Chris Kurt, uh, not Chris, another Christmas Richard Curtis film. So I have a friend called Chris Curtis. He'll be very pleased to be name checked in the podcast. Anyway, um, they so that that seems to be incredibly popular with uh, younger people as well. I think that seems to be the one, and I think a lot of that comes from Spotify. I mean, I know it's very hard to make a lot of money on Spotify, but 
millions and millions of streams every year like 38 million or something insane i think um the second biggest selling christmas song and the biggest income that comes in fairy tale of new york of course i didn't think of that one no right. exactly which also brings in four hundred thousand pounds and they wow. are much on a par and i would say they were those are the two songs that you hear everywhere now we're at four hundred thousand pounds of these two mm. we are going to increase by 250 percent to bring wow. us the income for the best-selling Christmas song every year, the modern song. What time of year is it, Terence? It's it, Christmas. Chris, oh, it's going to be slayed. It's uh, slayed. Merry Christmas, everybody. A million pounds per year. This is wow. why, as Noddy Holder, I think, once said himself, Noddy Holder only works from the middle of Jan- in the middle of November to the, uh, the, the the day before Christmas usually, because it doesn't really need to work any other time of year. He just he just trots out and sings that. More people buy it, and it just goes to show that interestingly all of those top 10 selling christmas songs per year the most recent of those come from the mid 90s stay another day and all i want for christmas is you those are the most recent ones and it just goes to show if you can write something that is a stone cold classic that people just associate if you go christmas songs people go white christmas merry christmas everybody fairy tale of new york all i want for christmas is you if you can get yourself a song that people will just reel off you were made forever and the song is made forever as well and 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 they will never merry christmas everybody has not been pushed off its top spot by any other christmas song it's still there all these years on and i don't see it i don't see it moving terence these are remarkable sums i mean i was just just thinking this slade being very telling because dave hill and don powell are both out on the road with separate versions of slade mm. Jim Lee and Noddy Holder are not. And of course, as the writers, they take yes. half of that each each year. So, um, you know, 500 grand to Jim Lee and 500 grand well, um, to Noddy Holder. I mean, um, the others will get playing playing royalties, but as my they, they have pointed out, they're nowhere near. What the nothing near. And of course, are. it might yeah. not have seemed important in the 70s, but I bet no. they wish the songwriting royalties were set up in four ways now. And the other thing that I just, just came back to my mind is that Jonah Louis I remember once reading um an interview where, with him where he said that I think it was 50 percent of everything he has ever earned in his life is mm. just simply income from Stop the Cavalry that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, if you ask me your other songs songs are new, new of his, you'll always find me in the kitchen at parties, which oh, yes. we used, yeah. used on an IKEA advert a while ago, I think, to demonstrate a sort of the side of a house, to demonstrate all the, you know, opened <laughs> up and you saw everybody in all the rooms. Um, so he's not not averse to a bit of income generation, mm. is Jonah Louis. But yeah, it's it's you know it's it's and it's interesting when you watch those um pretty top of the pops two style Christmas compilations. There are certain sort of Christmas songs that you see. Think, oh they're really good i really I, I know that i'm probably embarrassing myself here but i quite like pipes of peace by paul mccartney i think that's quite sweet and it's got a very mm. memorable video where he plays someone uh, sort of fighting in the trenches of the first world war yeah that's not the one that's endured and wonderful christmas time is the one that yeah. has it's very shut shot on location in a pub that's about 15 miles from where i live so, so it's always entertaining to uh, to see that video and recognize the the, the fields and the, and the pub in it but um mm. it's, it's just so interesting terence how are we 
going to monetize a, a Christmas hit? I mean, if you want a tale of writing royalties and how how much they how much they they earn. Years ago, I was working. And apologies, listeners, I've told the story probably years ago. I was working in a solicitor's practice, not you know, sort of southeast of England, and we had a, a family lawyer that used to come in. She was sort of connected to our practice. She'd come in and work with us once a week, and she came in once, and she you know her practice was around the Brighton area and she said you know get your guitar out and write some songs because she was acting for somebody whose ex-partner had a quarter share in one song on Adele's 21 album Wow! and that quarter share in one song the songwriting credit was enough to generate an income of £250,000 for that year. And this was like 2013. So I can't imagine that's gone down. So there is a lot lot of money in them songs if you can write them. I think after we finish today, I'm going to sit down and write a Christmas hit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'll (laughs) tune the uke between you and me. Let's write an agreement beforehand so that neither of us has to play, I don't know, Southampton Guildhall on a Tuesday night in February. (laughs) You both need a writing credit on this, Terence. We can be the Jim Lee and Noddy Holer of 2022. Uh, Respect to Dave Hill and co, but yeah, let's let's try and be Noddy, Noddy and Jim. Eric Clapton seems to have featured with us in recent years, always <laughs> yes, for not, negative not, reasons. I was going to say, not usually in celebration, it has to be said. No, we've looked at how his ability to manipulate six strings of wire has seemed to allow him to get away with the most extraordinary racist comments, generally horrible behaviour. Just drugs. being a trash pot, really. Just That's what he's like, isn't he? Yeah, he enjoys shooting and he promotes field sports. And more recently, he's come out as an anti-mask, anti-lockdown protagonist. This week, Eric Clapton... <laughs> has been in the news for pursuing a German widow through the courts for selling um, the, the, the woman was selling a Clapton bootleg CD on eBay for £8.45 um, Clapton took her to court and was awarded nearly £3,000 in costs um, George do you have any sympathy for Eric as he pursues this woman through the courts in Dusseldorf? No, I don't. Why has it got anything to do with Eric Clapton at all? Eric Clapton has made more than enough money in latter day years out of terrible music and even worse views. Um, you know, why, why is someone selling a bootleg CD for eight quid really an issue to Eric Clapton? When you say he's the perfect modern day Scrooge, I really hope that who are the ghosts that are going to haunt Eric Clapton? I really hope that Charlie Watts turns up um, uh, on the stroke of midnight and shows him the error of his ways. I just think Eric Clapton is such a dustbin of a person nowadays. I can find little to recommend him. It just seems like someone, I mean, this whole thing, maybe he's making too much money in songwriting royalties because he just seems like someone I don't think he's done this for money I tell you who Eric Clapton is he's nicknamed Slohan he's got too much time on his slow hand hasn't he if he's got time to you know to make these anti-lockdown terrible ranty songs and to moan about masks and you know this is the man who is that was the sole reason that rock against racism came into existence yes. as well let's not forget so so his track record's not great at the best of times but I, you know, I, I just think, just go away. Just everyone, just stop listening to Eric Clapton. And I don't know why a judge ever didn't throw this out of court as being disproportionate anyway, for God's sake. Just, you know, pack it in, Eric. Get a hobby. Do, you know, <laughs> why don't you go Why don't you go fishing with those nice people on BBC Two? Like, like you know, Paul and Bob. Go fishing with Paul and Bob. Stop doing things like this. It's not, it's not good. Stop. 
I have a sliver, a sliver of sympathy mm. um, with a cause that Clapton espouses for once. Um, although <laughs> I was going to say, oh. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure there was an, a need to go after her for three grand in costs. Mm. But you see, we don't expect to stroll into a bakery store, take some cakes and resell them. They're not ours to sell. <laughs> and so. I, but, you know, of course, I understand how people enjoy unofficial recordings of their favourite artists. Probably the vast majority uh, majority of us own unofficial releases. Um, but, yeah, on the other hand, if you're daft enough to try and sell bootlegs on eBay, on eBay, then don't be surprised if the artist or their representatives come after you. But having uh, made that point... I do feel that then pursuing the one for three it's grand. It's hardly proportionate, is it, yeah. really? For a simple sake, cease and desist uh, would yeah, surely. Would have, I, I think that would have been enough. I, mean, I love the idea that there could be a resale market for bakery. I think that's so good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting a bootleg. Get your well tarts. I was going to say, yes. These are, The sound quality is not so good on those sausage rolls, but it's still worth buying them bootlegged for a, a fraction of the cost nonetheless. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening uh, this week. If you're listening in real time, I hope you have a good Christmas. And if I know I always think if life isn't treating you so well, I hope you can just get through uh, this yes, period and emerge exactly. when it's all over. I agree. I think I hope that you have the Christmas period that you wish for is what I would say. And if not, there are all, there are always organisations you can ring. There are always and there are always people that would love to hear from you. I think I, I would always love a call from someone on Christmas if they feel that they want to talk to someone, you know, I won't give my number out on this podcast, but yeah, I agree with Terence. I hope you have a, a lovely festive period. You're able to have some downtime and we'll see you on the other side. To play us out, Jules, a band that are huge in Germany, but remembered over here for one hit record. Absolutely. And I, I would be interested to see if this gets any airplay. You don't hear it so much nowadays, but for mm. ages, this was again, this is another number that is not a Christmas number in the slightest, but is always associated with Christmas because it was a hit at Christmas over here. One hit wonder over here in Britain for Freiheit, this German German band. And I love this. I think I can see why this was a huge hit at Christmas, because, yes, they put a big orchestra on it at the beginning, but there's something that's so... I just find it really touching. And also, it's the best Paul McCartney record that Paul McCartney never made. It's got a real, it, well, as my friend Tim pointed out the other day, he's right as always. I said, I felt it sounded like Paul McCartney. He said, well, it sounds like Jeff Lynne and ELO. And ELO yes. are what the Beatles would have been in the <laughs> 70s if they'd stayed together. And it's like, that's one of the best points I've heard yes. about the Beatles for ages. I don't think he's that wrong. Anyway, it's got a lovely sound to it. And, it's, and it really touches well, I think, on, on themes this time of year. And we come to the end of another incredibly difficult year. There's no other way of putting it, is there really? But I, I like the message of hope that this has. And so I thought, I'd, I'd, you know, we'd take us, take us away from you uh, this year with this. This is Freiheit, and let's all of us together, we're keeping the dream alive. Tonight the rain is falling Full of memories Of people and places And while the I remember their faces The hopes we had were much too high Way out of reach But we have to try The game will never be over Because we're keeping the dream alive 
Listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>